Good, both really. Uh, but we are going to we're going to actually deal with uh, the excuses of the sluggard, and kind of uh, destroy the excuses of the sluggard that the sluggard would give for not serving the Lord, or the sluggard in our, in our lives. You know, if somebody that doesn't uh, do the things that they should do in their lives, why those excuses are easily destroyed. But especially, you know, more importantly, with our young people, is teaching them, you know, that to have character, to work, and to do the things that we have to do, but also spiritual character, you know, that spiritual work. Because I find that there are a lot of people that can work hard out in the world, but for the Lord, they don't want to, or for their own spiritual walk, they don't want to. And that's a dangerous thing. So we're going to cover those excuses that are used and kind of examine some of those things and, and really, uh, uh, really deal with those and prove that they're, they're not real at all. They're not, they're, they're, they're not good excuses. They're, there's no good excuse not to serve God. Amen. Our lives are about service to the king until we go home. So Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. Father, Lord, we pray you bless us now as we go through these different excuses here of the sluggard today. And uh, Lord, we teach our children to when they find such a sluggard or not to be such a sluggard, Lord, but when they find one that they know and are able to identify that. And Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the, the, the sluggard is a man of excuses. They make many. The, of the making of excuses, there is no end. You know, you, you can think of a thousand different excuses why you can't serve God. I mean, you can think of a lot of them, right? There's, there's plenty of them that you can make. Man, there's plenty of excuses that I could run through my head before I go out to go street preaching or go, go to evangelize or go to do something that I'm not, I don't necessarily want to do. It. I could think of a thousand of them, right? I mean, your mind, like, of making excuses, there is no end, right? Right? Um. Uh, you know, people will forgive a man that is, you know, down down on his luck, so to speak, as the world calls it, and that doesn't, you know, or that is injured or that is hurt or can't do something, right? They'll, they'll help them. But sluggards uh, are really hated and despised. They really are. They don't, and I mean that in a work ethic standpoint and also a, a spiritually speaking, people have a hard time feeling sorry for people that just don't want to do what they're supposed to do. Right, you just have you have a hard time uh, having compassion for that. Now we have to, but uh, you know we we don't always want to. It's it's very difficult to do that because there's the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Right, so there's there's examples of that uh, in the scriptures that we see for those things. Uh, but also spiritually speaking, if a man doesn't spiritually work. As a child of God, and he doesn't labor in the Word of God. He doesn't labor to, to learn and to grow and in prayer. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to eat of the good that God has provided for you. You know, you don't have that peace in the things that you would like to have. Why? Because you don't labor for them. We don't labor for salvation. We labor because of salvation. Right? You understand the difference. We don't labor for it or to earn it. We labor because we have it. We serve the Lord, right? Because we are children of God. So uh, service is part of, uh, of being a child of God. We are servants, and, and we should serve. The sluggard uses many excuses to get out of work. Some men make excuses, excuses and other, other men make things happen. 
That's the difference. Some will just make excuses. Others, others in their lives, by the way, that's just not men, that's men, women, and children. We teach them with that spiritual character, but some people will have a thousand different excuses for why they just can't simply do what's right. You've heard them before. You know those excuses. And we're, we're all too easily to give them, right? Idleness is sterile in goodness, and it's fertile in excuses. Always have something. Always, always an excuse can be made. Proverbs gives three examples of the sluggard's excuse making. They say it'll be cold. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. If it's too cold or too hot or otherwise uncomfortable or too inconvenient or too difficult, you'll find a way to bow out. The diligent man finds a way to work regardless of the circumstances. But not the sluggard. He's busy finding an excuse not to work and to find a way to accomplish the work. They always find a way to get out of the work. They work harder trying to get out of work than they do just working. You can watch that with your children sometimes if you have them do tasks at home. You know, you get them working and cleaning the kitchen or doing dishes or doing all these other work, these works and they're supposed to be working together. Man, they'll find a thousand ways to get out of what they're supposed to do. It's like, if you all just work together, you'd be done in like 15 minutes. I told him, I was like, you work, you work so hard not to work. If you, just, if you just put your nose to the grindstone and got the work done, you'd have it all done if you work together. I told my children, I told them, you're like an army. If you just work together, you're good at work in trouble. Why don't you be good at working what you're supposed to be doing? Right? If you just set yourself to work the work that you need to get done, you'd get it all done. Instead of fighting about who's doing more work than the other. Think, well, man, I don't want that. I don't want to do more work than that. Man, just get your hands in there and get it done. Amen. We teach them that young. They have to learn that, right? We teach them that. No, we just got to get it done. Like we don't, we don't work to lose. We work to win. Right? Like we don't, we don't. I'm not, we're not trying to lose. We're not, we're not setting ourselves up to be losers. We set ourselves up for victory. We've already been set up for victory. So we don't live a life of failure and, and walk around in failure and, and, and plan for failure. God's people should never plan for failure. You plan for victory. You may fall along the way and you may have, you may have to get up, but you don't plan for failure. I don't live my life and my outlook is not, oh, I wake up today and I'm going to fail. No, I wake up today thinking that I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And if I fail, I'm still going to get back up and continue on. Because that's the mindset that I'm supposed to have. Facing anything, that's the mindset. Don't let small inconveniences keep you from serving the Lord or shifting your responsibility to somebody else. Man, you don't let that. In your spiritual life, don't let small uh, circumstances or small inconveniences stop you from serving the Lord. Uh, whether it's somebody else and something they've done or some, or, or some trial that you're going through or some obstacle that you have, don't let that stop you. It's like, oh, I can't read my Bible because I'm tired. So you let it stop you. And you don't. I can't, I can't pray because I have this going on or I have that going on. Well, you're making excuses. It's being spiritually a sluggard. It, it, it is. It's being a spiritual sluggard. 
You say, well, isn't it the reality that I'm tired? Yeah, it is. And guess what? You still got to get something done. It's like, well, I don't think I'll do this because I'm tired. What does that have to do with anything? Most people live tired. <laughs> Most people live tired. What are you talking about? Tired. What's that got to do with anything? What's how I feel have to do with anything? As, my, as the abdicating my responsibilities. I hate to say it, but what a bunch of sissy babies, man. I mean, I, really, really, we are like, you can't, you can't read this book. You can't pray. You can't do the things that you're supposed to do and diligently give your time to the Lord and seek God's face because of some physical inconvenience that we have. We're going to go ahead and, and shirk our responsibilities. No, that's being a sluggard. Fear is, you know, the, the second thing is fear. Man, I'll tell you what, this is a big one. This is a big one that people use. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22. You want to talk about, this is a big one that people use to get out of serving the Lord, to get out of being faithful to God, to abdicate their responsibilities to something else and, and, and not do what they're supposed to do. I'm telling you, the fear is the biggest one. It's one of the biggest ones that they use. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without. I shall be slain. Before I get to that, I, I don't want to forget. I, I, wrote the, I wrote these things. I don't want to, I don't want to lose track of this point here. I forgot I had two different outlines here. Um, difficulty was the first excuse, right? It's difficult. There's, it's cold. There's a difficulty. Difficulties are in life should not stop you. They, they should not hinder you from, from faithfulness and from duty. If anything, God's people have to rise up and be the people that do not give in to their difficulties. That they, that they continue on. That they don't, like, uh, this is difficult. Yeah, it is. Spiritually, you know, this man, he says it was too cold for him to go out to plow, but you know what? Spiritually, to keep from getting cold, what are you supposed to do? Work. Right? If you're outside and you're it's cold, well, what do you do? You work. If he was working, he would stay warm, wouldn't he? Because he's moving. That's the same thing spiritually. If you don't want to get cold spiritually, you get to work. You get to work in your Bible. You get to work in praying. You get to work to ministering and helping others. You get to work in preaching the gospel. You get to work in handing out tracts. You get to work. You know what cold people are? They're lazy and they sit at home and they don't do what they're supposed to do. They become lazy. Spiritually lazy. You can have the greatest work ethic in the world and have the best job and, and man, you can chop down trees and do all this stuff, but if you can't deal with the giants that are in your own life and you become spiritually lazy, you're a sluggard. Spiritually, you're a sluggard. The greatest way for you to stay on fire for the Lord is to keep working. You don't, you don't stop. You know what I find that people do when they have difficulties? They back off of what's right. Oh, no, God showed me. Well, don't you back off. <laughs> you step on the gas. Because if you back off, you're really going to be bad. If you think it's bad right now what you're going through, if you back off on your responsibilities, if you back off on what you're supposed to do, you're going to be in a real mess. No, you don't ever back off like that. You, could, you put the uh, pedal to the floor, right? And you move on, you press on. 
Paul didn't say back off when things get bad. He said, I pressed toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't back off. He, he pressed on. Well, you know, I, I have all these difficulties. Yeah. This spiritual sluggard, he loves his ease. The spiritual sluggard cannot bear any opposition. If opposition comes to them, they want to stop. They want to give up. They want to they they, they be lazy and not, not do what God has commanded them to do. That's what happens to spiritual sluggards. They, they, they become, the, the opposition stops them, right? They, they want to go, oh, it's too hard. This sluggard cannot inconvenience his flesh. But walking in the spirit is an inconvenience to the flesh. Do you understand that? By nature of walking in the spirit, it is an inconvenience to your flesh. It always will be. To serve the Lord will always be an inconvenience to the flesh. To be faithful to God will always be an inconvenience, always, to the flesh. Why? Because it's contrary to the flesh. Serving God, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Christ is in opposition to the flesh. So the flesh is in opposition to you. There's a battle and a war there. The spiritual sluggard can work for money and labor and toil, but for Christ, the slightest difficulty takes him out. The slightest difficulty in serving the Lord, he's ready to quit. Right? The slightest bit of opposition or difficulty that comes. Difficulty is no excuse for derelict in duty. It's not. It's not a good excuse. You don't have any... You and I, difficulties in the Christian life, difficulties in serving God... It's not, a, it's not an excuse for you to be derelict in your duty. It's not an excuse for you to be negligent. It's not an excuse for you not to be faithful, right? It isn't an excuse for you to be unfaithful to the Lord because you have difficulties. Suck it up. Amen. You, you are going to have difficulties in this Christian life. When you get saved by the grace of God, the war begins. Now you're in a battle. Then you get baptized. Now you're really in a battle. You're going to start serving the Lord. You're going to be in a battle. Why? You made a public profession of faith in Christ. You said, I've turned my back on the world and I've trusted Christ and I'm walking. I'm living for him. And I identify with his church. Guess what that does? That puts you at odds with the world. That puts you at odds with them. Well, why? Because you just pronounce that everything they do is wrong. And that God is right. You get that, right? Like it's a, it's like, that's what you did. When you get saved by the grace of God, that's, what, that's the statement that makes. You're wrong. That's, why do you think they killed him? <laughs> why do you think they killed him? Because he told them they were wrong. Why do you think they want to kill you? Because you tell them they're wrong. Like that one preacher said, you know what the problem is today? Nobody wants to kill the preacher anymore. But we're all like, oh, they wanted to kill us the other day. We're good. <laughs> they were all mad at us. They were ready to kill us the other day, weren't they? <laughs> but nobody's mad anymore at them. They don't make them mad anymore. Right? They're supposed to be mad if they ain't right with God, if they don't want to get right with God. They're supposed to be mad at the preaching God's word. 
course. It, what, by the way, go through the book of Acts and see the preachers when they preach. What happened? They got angry and gnashed on them with their teeth and went after them and tried to kill them. So then we go out in the street and people say, you know, Pastor, you probably should take that video down because that doesn't make you look very good. It doesn't really make you look very good. Oh, I wasn't aware that I was supposed to look good. Excuse me. I wasn't aware that I was supposed to look good. Right? I thought we were supposed to preach Christ and watch him all rage. Right? You know, that, that, that made you look in a bad light. You mean like every time the apostles lifted up their voice and preached and some men got saved and everybody else wanted to kill them? Right. Like wherever they went and they all died because somebody killed, somebody killed every single one of them. Besides John, they all died. They all got killed. Why? Because they made him mad. Why? Because they preached. They actually preached the Bible and made him mad. So they killed him. That's right. That's right. Why would they? They shouldn't. If they do, we're Joel Osteen and we're going to make millions. Right? Well, Smiley Joe. That's right. That's right. Now you're talking. Prosperity gospel. Right? That's, that's what they labor for. But you're to labor for Christ. We're to labor for the gospel. We're to labor in the gospel. That's, right. That's what we do. That's what our work is. But any bit of difficulty and they're done. The public ministries, it, most pastors won't go out in the street and preach because of the difficulties that arise. Because see, they're never challenged in their pulpits because things are done decent and in order in the church like that, right? But when you get out on the street, it's not decent and order, it's chaos. They're a bunch of nuts. And they hate you. And what do they do? The same thing they did to Stephen. They gnash on you with their teeth. They pull out knives. They get angry. They want to beat you. They rip up your signs. They kick everything. And if they could get away with it, they'd kill you. And they throw rocks and they stone Paul. Spit on me. Man, that lady got me right in the face, too. Like, look, lady, serpent spit. Yep. Spit right. I mean, it came right. Oh, man. She got me. Anyway. But you know something? That's the gospel preached. That's what it is. But the second thing people use besides difficulties is fear. They use fear as an excuse. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 22. Whoops. Let's, yep, verse 13. The slothful man saith, There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. That's for sure. Right? If I stand for Christ, I'll be persecuted. Yeah? You will. Jesus said it. That's the one thing you're guaranteed. You're not guaranteed your best life now. What you are guaranteed in this life, what you are guaranteed is all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Guaranteed. 
So if you've never suffered any, it might be because you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. <laughs> that could be it, right? Because that level of persecution is different. You know, it's not always the same. It's not always going to get, you're not going to get stoned. You're not going to, but it's different, but, it, but it's there, right? You're going to suffer it. It's going to be there. All that live godly, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You, you have to. It's just the way it is. They'll, they'll say, I will lose everything. Right? There's a lion. I shall be slain. Fear is used to keep us lazy. Fear will keep you spiritually lazy. You will not serve God the way that you are supposed to. If it's your devotions, if it's living for God, if it's uh, abstaining from all appearance of evil, if it's if it's uh, you know your sanctification and walking away from different things, or growing in grace and dealing with anger and dealing with bitterness and dealing with things that God wants you to deal with in your life, you'll use fear as an excuse. It's used to keep men lazy. Or women lazy. So, well, if I doubt my salvation, so because of my doubts, I'll do nothing for the Lord. It's all for naught. I don't know anything for sure, so I can't serve the Lord because I, I have doubts and fears. So how long does somebody live in the land of indecision like that and not serve God and use it? Well, there's, there's a lion in without. There's a lion in the streets. And you use that not to serve God and not to be faithful. And, and in essence, you're being tricked by the devil to do it. Because God never leaves a man in doubt of his soul. You might suffer from assurance. You might suffer uh, from not having assurance at different times. But the Bible is clear what salvation is. The Bible is clear how, a man, how man's assurance is built as well. And assurance is not the same as salvation. You can be eternally saved and not have any assurance of it at all at times. Amen. And that happens. That will happen. But you have to labor for that assurance. You have to labor in the scriptures and get alone with God and pray and seek God's face to get that assurance. And God gives it that way. He doesn't give it any other way. And he sure doesn't give it to lazy people. But people want, they, they want to be lazy spiritually. They don't want to serve the Lord and be faithful to God. They don't want to devote themselves to God and walk with God and seek God's face. And yet, and what the, but the, what they want is that peace and assurance and comfort of God. But they want it their way. So what you're telling God is, God, you're gonna, you need to give it to me my way, the way I prescribe. And God doesn't do that. He uses those lack of assurances as, as forms of chastening that you would learn from him. God will use that. And he does use it. I know people that, that, that do that. I've, I've, I, that. People that will live their lives and they have those doubts and those fears and they use that fear as an excuse. Well, well, why should I press on in the Lord if I'm unsure about my soul, if I'm unsure if I'm saved? Well, because God commanded you to, that's why. <laughs> How about that one? Huh? How about God Almighty commanded you to? So why don't you quit being a little rebellious uh, child and obey God and do what he said? 
Amen. Because that's what it comes down to. It comes down to, well, you're going to obey God because God told you to. That's why. He said to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So how about you obey God? How about you just be obedient? See how that works? Yeah. Instead of being a spiritual sluggard and saying, well, I have fear. There's a lion without. Yeah, you better believe there's a lion without. It's called Satan. And he is without. But guess what God said about that? Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who he may devour. So what are you supposed to do if there's a lion in the street? Slay it! Right? Get up and slay it! Take the sword of the Spirit, take the armor of God, and get up and fight. You weren't given armor to shine and to look pretty. You were given for war. You're giving it to fight. So, so what? That isn't even a good excuse. Let's say there was a lion in the street. So you ain't going to go fight? Well, you're going to let it kill your children? You're going to let it kill your women? You're going to let it kill everybody? You ain't going to get up and fight? What would you do if you were, if you were a man in a village like that and, you, and, and all the men decided, they said, well, there's a lion in the street. I can't get up and fight. I can't go out there and do anything because there's a lion in the street. What, are you going to make your wife go do it? You're going to make, you make your children go do it? You're going to let them get slaughtered? It's a slothful man that says that. There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. You might be. And you know what? Satan pummels those that don't fight. When you become passive in your mind and you become passive in your spiritual walk with God, when you become passive, when you become a sluggard, Satan will whoop you down. I mean it. I'm dead serious when I say that. If you become spiritually passive, if you just, if you just uh, become a beating post for Satan and you don't fight back and you become a coward, see, devils, what they smell is fear. It's like blood. For an animal, a beast. Beasts smell blood, right? Beasts, they track blood. Like when I, when I shot that deer that time, Lee, when it was like 300 below zero, remember? And you had me go out the next morning and we tracked that thing down and I'm crawling like, I don't know, like a beast through the woods uh, trying to keep up with you. And, and, but what happened? Those beasts, what they do, they smell that. They track that blood. That coyote found that blood. That coyote found that deer and ripped half its leg off. It's back leg off. Why? Because beasts smell blood. Well, that's the same thing that the devil does when he smells fear. When he smells fear on you, when Satan's kingdom smells that fear, when his devils, they, they attack that like you wouldn't believe. You are, you're like an attractant. You're like a big light to bugs. Those devils are going to be, and the devil, they're going to be all over you to, to afflict you. Why? Because you're not standing. You're giving in and you're getting pummeled. You're getting beat. So he's like, oh, here's a whooping post. And they just start whipping away. And then your thoughts and your mind and everything is taken and you're, you're full of fear and you're full of doubts and you're full of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, different bitter emotions and everything else and you're just a ball of a mess and Satan and the, they smell that they, so they can see it it's easy 
That's why the Bible says, uh, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say agree with the devil and all his suggestions against you. It says resist him steadfast in the faith. Yeah. See that? That's how you resist him. James says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, then in the other case, Peter explains what that means. You resist him steadfast in the faith with the word of God, with the truth, not with your vain thoughts of foolishness that you think and, and not with all your fear and all your... No, we resist him steadfast in the faith. It's with the book. That's how. The same way Jesus did, which is the same way you ought to. And you get no victory if you don't. By the way, people are more apt to believe what the devil, Christians are more apt to believe sometimes what the devil say to them than what God does. You're more apt to believe your own foolish thoughts than you are God's word. Amen. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. What rolls around in your mind at different times, what rolls around your mind are all thoughts of depression and, and discouragement and down and everything else, and you roll those around. Well, how do I know that that's true, what I'm saying about you? You easily believe that. Well, because you're letting that roll around your head instead of taking the scriptures and chambering them in your brain and letting them roll around your head. Instead of taking the promises of God and chambering them in your, in your mind and letting them roll around in your mind and meditating on them. You're thinking on other things. You're not thinking on these things that he told you to think on. That's how I know it's easier for us to do that. It's easier for us to think on those things. It's easier for us to think on the things that God tells us not to and our own thoughts. Because if not, then we would counter them with Scripture and say, well, this is what God's Word says. And that's what we would do. But fear is used. You, you do have a role. There is a line in the streets it seeks to destroy families, friends, your church. You better look for reasons to fight it, not look for reasons to get out of it. You better look for reasons to resist the devil and to fight back. You ought not let fear take you. Fear is no excuse for not being faithful. Fear is no excuse for being a sluggard. There's, it, it's no excuse. Well, I'm afraid. Well, then tell God you're afraid and get going to work. Amen. <laughs> you tell God you're afraid, you get up and work. See what I mean? All those excuses, when you, when you look at it, they're, they're excuses to be unfaithful. They're excuses to, to not be faithful to God. Right? And people do it all the time. They use them all the time. Excuses to not be faithful. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid. I like what one man said here. Uh, use the example of the scriptures in the scriptures. Remember, David slew the lion when they met him, when they met David when he was feeding his sheep, and the lion and the bear were torn in pieces like kids. And then there was a lion that came on the young man, a son of the prophets, who declined from his duty. When he was told to smite his neighbor, 
and the lion rent the young man in pieces. We are always sa safe, safer from Satan's attacks when we are fighting and doing our duty. When we leave the plain path of duty, we will be devoured. When you and I, if you and I leave the plain path of duty, if we leave faithfulness, if we leave off faithfulness to the Lord's church, if we leave off faithfulness uh, to our families and our roles as husband and wife and, 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 and our duties in our Bible and our prayer and our, our duties in devotion to God, and all, if we leave off those things, we are in danger of being devoured. We are rarely in danger of being devoured when we are about our duties. Another proof of that is David. When David was, when David was, uh, when kings went out to war, where was David? He was sitting in his bedchamber at the midday, lounging around, being lazy. And what happened? He ended up committing adultery, which which that sin brought forth death. Right? That's what happened. Somebody died. Why? Because David wasn't doing what he was supposed to. You are in most danger when you are idle, not when you are about your father's business. Whatever doubts and fears, whatever struggles and trials, you are to remain faithful. You are to remain, you're, you're to continue on. When you do not, you are in trouble. You will get into trouble. You will. The, the men that I see that got the most trouble as professing Christians in their life, they were idle. They were not busy. They were not busy about the Lord's work. They were not busy about uh, taking care of their family. They were not busy about those things. They were, they, they were idle. And they got into trouble. That's the slothful. That's the sluggard. You know, the Bible tells us also that uh, he gave power to tread on lions and adders, didn't he? Yes, he did. So right. if there's a lion in the street, God's given you the power to take it. Right. So if there's a, if there's a lion, if, there's, if there, are, there are struggles and trials and afflictions in your life and things, God has given you grace and power to be able to slay them. You're not to run from Satan. You're to run from sin. If you're attacked by the devil, you're to stand your ground and fight. You want to know about the stand your ground law? That's the one right there. Spiritually, that's your stand your ground law. That's what he said. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Amen. That's your stand your ground law. When Satan comes chasing you to attack you, you turn around with your sword and you fight. And you stand your ground. You definitely don't run. You definitely don't. You fight. And that's the problem. You just want to give up, roll over, and not fight. And it's pathetic and sickening. There's nothing more sickening and pathetic than God's people who have been given a book. They've been given a sword. They've been given armor. They've been equipped. And they won't fight for what's right. They back off and they give up. They turn their back on what they're supposed to do. It's pathetic. I've seen men leave this church, and the reason they left it is they didn't want to face the devils in their own house. Had they faced them and dealt with them, they would never be in a worse place than they are because they would not deal with things that they needed to. It will destroy you. Turn around and face the things that you have to face and deal with them and fight. God has given you that. Don't don't walk away, scamper away, and find another way to get around your responsibilities. I've watched people crumble around that because they won't face the giants that are in front of them. They won't just deal with it and get it right and work through things. 
Marriage is the same way. Too many people are too, uh, Christians are easily to give up on things because they don't want to fight or they abide things that are not right with their marriage and they don't deal with the husband and wife issues that they need to. They won't use the word of God. They won't use what they're supposed to. They're lazy because they're afraid to confront it. So they're lazy. They're sluggards. Spiritual sluggards and they're lazy. And I'm telling you, it destroys them. It destroys everybody around them. Destroys their offspring and their family and everything else because they don't fight what they're supposed to. They don't deal with the things that they're supposed to. It's it's a dangerous thing, friend, to be spiritually slothful. You don't understand how dangerous it is. What a place it puts us in when we are not bold to stand for what is right in every area of our lives, that we're not careful with that. But we use an excuse The Bible doesn't give us any excuses for not being faithful to God. Don't give yourself any either. Don't make up excuses to be unfaithful. Don't make up reasons why you can't be faithful. You will damage yourself greatly by doing it. You will set yourself up for failure by doing it. It's a dangerous place to be, very dangerous. And you ought never to do it. The sluggard, he always has an excuse of why something can't be done, right? We can't preach in public. People don't like it. We can't, we can't make these stands on things. We can't take these stands on things. We can't, we can't warn people. Churches, there are pastors that, that will not take stands on things in their churches because they're afraid of what their people will do if they do well, I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't tell you. Amen. To be honest with you, like I'm more afraid of what will happen if I don't warn you, if I don't instruct you, if I don't teach you what I'm supposed to do. Number one, I have to stand before God some, someday and give an account for my stewardship, right? But secondly, I'm more afraid of the outcome of not warning you. And there are scores of churches out there today that will not warn their people of anything. Pastors will not warn their people. They will not stand up boldly and preach the word of God. They, they waver and they waffle on things. They waffle on issues of husband and wife. They waffle on issues of the family and the home. They waffle on issues of, of evangelism. Now, now you're seeing churches all over the place waffling on the LGBTQ issues. And, and they're waffling on all these other things with the apostasy rising. They waffle on the King James Bible. They don't want to take a strong stand on the King James Bible. They want to, they, they want to waffle on that because they don't want others to be offended. I take the opposite point of view. I might as well get the offense out right away and just get it over with. So then if you do come back, man, that'll be something. I'm always shocked when anybody comes back, Johnny. I am. Came back for a second service. I'm shocked, man. I'm always shocked somebody comes back twice. <laughs> right, Brother Paul? <laughs> I'm shocked anybody's still here sometimes. <laughs> It's the it's God. It's I'm just like oh, it must be the Lord because man, I didn't say anything sweet to him. <laughs> Not like I laid it on sweet and, and everything. So, so you come back here, wow. But uh, praise the Lord, amen. amen. But that's but that's how. By the way, but that's men of God have to be fearless like that, right? They they have to be. You 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 can't use you can't be full of fear. In that sense, you have to have the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man. The fear of man makes the snare, break the snare, right? 
Now you got to just be bold and say, you know what? No, we're going to preach this. We're going to live the truth. We're going to be an example. I'm going to tell you what right now. I absolutely believe this. Part of the fruit of this ministry, when you see all these children that are here and families having babies and everything else, part of that fruit of that ministry is by preaching things that are right. Do you understand that? Where, where people don't feel like there's something wrong with them because they have babies. Well, are, are you going to have, how many are you going to have? They look at us like, like the lady asked us when we're in there having Silas. They, they, she's like, well, well, I, I probably don't need to mention birth control. I was like, no, you don't need to. Amen. She was like, she said, they said it like a couple times. They're like, probably don't need to mention birth control. Obviously not. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> like, thanks, lady. Go away. <laughs> bye bye now. It's like no, we're. Well, people ask you, well, how many are you gonna have? As many as God gives us. Amen. It's God that shuts that off. It isn't us. I mean, we don't have, I don't have the power to shut that off. I'm not going to take power that's not mine. I'm not going to usurp God's authority. God will shut it off when he's ready. When he is, we're done. That's how it works, right? But we can still praise God for everything that he allows, right? And he gives. But we believe, by the way, but men are so afraid. Like, they don't preach that. Like, do you, half these fundy churches, I would... If you preach against birth control in these fundy churches, I'm telling you what, I think their heads would explode. I just want to do it once. I want to preach one message on Jezebel, one message <laughs> at some of these really large fundy churches. I just, I would like to see the women's faces just when, when, when they hear a preacher come out and talk like that, just to see their, their heads like explode off their shoulders. Because I really do think it'd be like, whoop, boom. Oh, there it goes. There she goes. There's one. And they just start popping all over the assembly. I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. They would give me an offering to pay me not to come back. Preacher, don't come back, okay? Here, here's your offering. They'd probably lick my ear like, what's his face? <laughs> Licked Bill Grady's ear when he was, what's his, what's his name, Paul? Gets close enough to lick his ears. <laughs> Clarence Sexton. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> okay, well that ain't working. <laughs> they paid. They like Brother Beller. They they invited him to Hiles Anderson. They paid for him to leave. They're like, <laughs> look, brother, we love you. Here's your offering. Get out of here. He was not invited back to the next day. They flew him home. They're like. Yeah, whoops. He was gone, right? Anyway, but why? Fear. They're afraid. They're afraid to talk about those things. And we can't be. We've got to be bold, amen? We've got to tell people the truth. We ought not let anything give. Whether, whatever it is, whether it's giving to the Lord, well, if I give to the Lord, I'm going to starve. No, you're not. You ain't going to starve, Right? Any of those things, like, uh, you know, or service to the Lord. Well, if I give up this time to serve the Lord, then I won't be able to work and I won't be able to do this. Yeah, God will take care of you. You believe that, don't you? Or if my wife comes home from work and doesn't doesn't uh, have a job, you know, what are we going to do? 
That's what one guy told me. My wife makes like twice as much as I do. What, what am I going to do if she comes home? I said, you're going to work twice as hard. That's, that's what you can get to work there, Stumpy. You better get moving. Right? You're going to work twice as hard then, I guess. But right. Right? He's like, I'd have to work 12 hours a day to be able to make that kind of money. I was like, well, okay. What's your point? And probably wouldn't anyway, right? But people, when they set up, when you're set up like the world does and you have to have everything like the world does, because they got to pay for daycare, they got to pay for, you know, their extra vehicles, they got to do all these other things that they want or extra things that they want in the world, their trips to Disney World, right? Or anything like that. And you start, oh, well, I, I can't afford all that. You don't need all that. And they have their children in all kinds of sporting things and their children are costing them thousands upon thousands of dollars a year in just nonsense that they don't need, right? Right? They don't need that. By the way, the number one person, uh, let me get to, I'll get to the next point. Um, the sluggard loves sleep. He loves sleep. Excess of sleep, right? Will, excess of sleep will hurt us. If we have too much sleep. Now, now, primarily what the Bible, what we're speaking on is, is because uh, I don't think you have to worry about too many people getting excess of sleep in this room. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've met anybody that is yet. <laughs> you guys sleep too long. <laughs> uh, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. I don't think there's too many people that are <laughs> getting too much sleep here. Uh, the Bible also says, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. But primarily what I want to talk to you about is spiritual sleep. Okay? Now, if you sleep too long and you don't get anything done, well, you'll figure that out too real quick. But spirit, I, I find mostly it's spiritual. Spiritual slumber is dangerous. Uh, being spiritually sleepy. The spiritual sluggard wants a little more time. One more night with the frogs, right? They want one more night to live the way they're doing. Professing Christians, one more night uh, teetering on the edge. One more night with the world. One more night playing games with sin. Just one more night to be sleepy. One more night to be a little more sleep in worldliness. Wake me up when Christ returns. Right? We've seen that, haven't we? You're out there and they're, they're like, yeah, I'm drinking and doing all this stuff. And, but I, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you living your life like that? Well, some of them are like, well, wake me up when Jesus returns. I'll, I'll wake up then. You sure will. Wake me up when death is here. People want to get serious about their spiritual life when death comes. You know what? You want, to, you want me to tell you a strong assurance of your faith is to be serious about Christ now, not when tragedy comes. Live your life for Christ every day so when tragedy does come, you're prepared for it. Amen. Because God prepares his own for it. 
If you have a, if you have a walk with God now, then when tragedy comes, it's not going to be a strange thing for you to seek God's face. You've already walked with God. You've walked in his word. Not death. Death does not make, like Spurgeon said, death does not make a Christian. Man, you go to a lot of funerals and you preach, if you ever go to a lot of funerals and they always preach them all into heaven, don't they? Everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. Man, devil go to heaven. They have a funeral for him and he'll go to heaven too. And they'll be like, oh, he's in heaven. <laughs> right? Like, what are you talking about, man? He ain't in heaven. He might be going up and down, but he ain't staying there, right? <laughs> They're like, he's in heaven. Right? They're preaching. <laughs> he wasn't that bad. He's, he's, he meant well, right? I mean, that's how funerals are. But the wickedest man in the world, and they'll be like, I commend this body to you, Lord Jesus. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? All the movie stars, right? All of them are in heaven. All of them are in heaven. Nobody goes to hell anymore. Everybody's in heaven. Just You watch the news, everybody's in heaven. Everybody that died, Alice Cooper, he's going to heaven. All of them are going to heaven. Biting heads off of serpents and everything. They're, they're all going to heaven. They're, all of them are going to heaven. Right? That's what they do, right? Death does not make you a Christian. Christ makes you a Christian. When you are saved by grace, then death is just a passing from this to the next. Right? That's what it is. Death is a passing. There is a lion, they say, right? They love their sleep. They love their slumber. Spiritual sluggards cannot endure to be disturbed. You ever notice that when you're on the street and you're preaching to them? They can't stand to be disturbed. Don't wake me out of my sleep. Don't wake me up out of my sleep. Let me sleep. Spiritual sluggards. Godliness is grievous to them. Preaching godliness, when you preach it, when your family members that profess Christ and you go tell them the truth and, and you talk to them and they see your life, they are grieved by your walk with God. Why? Why would they be grieved? Because they're spiritual sluggards. And godliness is grievous to them. It is grievous to them that somebody is preaching that because they love their sleep. They love their spiritual slumber. They don't want a preacher to wake them loud out of their sleep. Right? That's why we, I like it when they get mad on the street. At least there's something to them. Man, the scariest people are the ones that walk by as zombies, completely dead with no life at all, seared with nothing there at all. At least they get mad. That's a biblical response, right, that we see. Sometimes they got to get mad. Spiritual sluggards. They want their conscience not to wake them up. They don't want preachers to wake them up. Because God will use the word of God. A preacher preach the word of God to speak to their conscience to prick them. Right? They don't want that. Don't wake me. Let me be comfortable in my sin. 
You know why people go to many churches on Sunday? Because they make them comfortable in their sin. They're not uncomfortable. You and I ought to be uncomfortable in our sin. If we're in sin and the Holy Ghost brings it to our remembrance as the preaching of God's word, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It means that God loves you and he's pricking your heart to get right. Amen. Telling you to get right. That's the love of God. You're being awakened out of a spiritual slumber or a sleep that you've, that you've accepted in your life. Don't wake me, though, they say. Those that strive to wake him out of the sleep are the most unwelcome people around them. That's why, that's why when your friends and family members and others see things on social media, they see things about this ministry, and they hear things that are, that are preached, and they don't like those things, and they get mad about those things. You know why they get mad about them? Because they're sleepy. They're sleepy saints. They're in a spiritual slumber. And they're sluggards. And they don't want to be awakened out of their sleep. They don't want some preacher telling them that what they used to do, they don't do anymore. They used to live for God. They used to stand strong for the faith. They used to abstain from all appearance of evil. They used to, they used to not go to the rock concerts. They used to not, not watch the wicked movies. They used to live for God. They used to not uh, go about in the same riotous living as the world. They used to not accept sin in their life as easy. But you know what? When a preacher reminds them of that, they get mad. Why? Because they're sleeping. It's just like if you're in dead sleep and somebody rips your door open and turns the light on, you're pretty mad. Turn that light off! Right? That's what they're trying to say. Turn the lights off. Oh, I don't like that church. They're always preaching against sin. They're always preaching against those things. They're always preaching out, uh, against uh, different things in this world or Hollywood or music or wicked music or, or, or dress standards or modesty. And, and they're preaching all those things. I, I don't like that. Why? Because it's a constant reminder that they're not willing to follow God. That's why they don't like it. Cut all the garbage out and all the lies. That's what it is. Oh, I don't like the way he says it. It has nothing to do with what's, what the way it's said. It has something to do with what's being said. That's right. You don't like the truth being told to you because you've got to get right with God. Right. And you don't want to. Same thing that preacher told me when I was, when I was a lost man. <laughs> he just looked at me and he said, She's a whore and you're a whoremonger. Ouch. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't very nice. No, but it was true. And it was the nicest thing he could have said to me. He goes, and look, I said that to you because God wanted me to. That's why I said it. Man, I thank God for that old man. He's in heaven now. Amen. Thank God for him, man. Whew. That old man looked at me. <laughs> he didn't flinch, man. He looked at me and he told me, she's a whore and you're a whoremonger. What do you want that for? Whew. Amen, man. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't flinch, man. That old man looked straight at me and said that to my face. 70-year-old man saying that to my face, man. That's love right there, man. Say, I don't, that, didn't, that don't seem very loving. Oh, it's love. It sure is, man. 
That's starting to wake me up and get my attention. Whew. Wow. Seven months later, I was saved, married, called to preach, standing in front of you 21 years later because that old man was obedient to God and he stood up without fear or favor and told me what I needed to hear. Amen. Praise God for God-fearing men that will stand up and tell the truth and not waver. But people like being sleepy. Don't, don't wake me out of my sleep. I'm comfortable in that. You become their enemy because you, you, wake, you try to wake them up out of their sleep. You're their enemy. Paul said it. He said, man, I'm, have I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Yeah. That's what's wrong with them. Throw away all the facade of all the garbage. Listen, you and I have family members that profess to be saved that are outside of this church that go to different churches and they, and they see what this church stands for and they see what you stand for. And the biggest thing is, is that they are spiritually sleeping. So you have one or two choices. You either let them die in their sleep and slumber or you try to wake them out of their sleep. That's it. That's like, that's all you can do. But don't let them believe that it's okay and that they're right with God living like that. That's a terrible disservice to people. As a child of God, it's terrible for us not to warn them and tell them, look, you're not right with God living the way you are. You've named the name of Christ. You're not right with God living like that. They need to know that. Sleepy, slothful saints put an opportunity in the devil's hand to destroy them. They give him an opportunity to destroy them. We shouldn't be uh, spiritual sluggards, sleepy. The Philistines, Samson, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. What was he doing? He was sleeping. I think in the Bible, Jael, right? What'd she do? What, that man was sleeping, wasn't she? What'd she do? Stuck that right through his temple, didn't she? How? He was sleeping. He was sleeping. Sleepy saints lose blessings. You know, your sleepy Christians are like on a bed above hell, you know, ready to drop at any moment. If they're saved, obviously they're going to go to heaven. But I'll tell you what, you ought not let a sleepy saint feel as if they're comfortable in their sin. You ought to challenge them on if they're a child of God, why aren't they living it? That's not a sin, by the way. It's like, well, I... I don't want to preach work salvation. You're not. You're saying the sal salvation works. You ought not leave people in error. You ought not leave them in living in sin and thinking they're okay with that. You and I don't have a right to do that. We have a duty not to. Let not Satan, this world, nor any other lull you to sleep again. This world will try to lull you to sleep. By the way, this world always wants you to compromise what you believe. Always. Always wants you, your family members, the lost world, uh, lazy, sloppy Christians, uh, sleepy saints, they want you to compromise your place and go their direction. That's what they want. They want you to come their way because they're asleep. Christians are subject to become spiritually drowsy as well. How do they fall asleep? Benjamin Keach wrote some good things on this. He said, from the weakness of the flesh, 
spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. By being slothful, negligent, and out of work spiritually. If you and I become lazy, we will fall asleep spiritually. If we stop sharpening our skills, if we stop using our sword, if we stop praying, if we stop preaching, if we stop witnessing, if we stop living for God, devoting our lives, raising our families, if we back off of spiritual duties, if we back off of those things, we are in danger of falling asleep. Because when you have inactivity, you have sleep. Just sit down for a few minutes. I'll give you an example of this. Gideon runs around all day long like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, he's moving everywhere, except he has a head. But uh, he's, he's moving everywhere, right? Moving, 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 moving. Sit him down for supper at night. What's, what's he do? <laughs> Fall asleep. Why? It's the first time he sat down. It's the first time he was inactive all day. As soon as he's inactive, what happens? Boom. Sleep. Same thing. Same thing goes for... Uh, for you and I, if we are inactive spiritually, if we are not reading our Bibles, if we are not praying, if we are not seeking God's face, if we are not reading good materials and growing and doing those, we're going to become sluggards. We'll fall asleep pretty soon from the weakness of the flesh. We grow indifferent and careless and neglect our work. You start to grow indifferent, careless in your spiritual life. You stop paying attention to important things and you back off of things and you stop paying attention to important things. Right? Things that are necessary. You stop, you, you start allowing sin. You start allowing things in. You get loose in your walk, loose in your sanctification and you're going to start going to sleep. You start accepting things that God hates, things that you used to reject before. Now you've let them slip. Turn to Proverbs chapter 19. You'll see what the Bible says. I'll prove it here. Look what it does. Slothfulness. Uh, Proverbs 19, 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. So being spiritually lazy, being spiritually slothful will cast you into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. You're no longer hungering and thirsting after righteousness, but your soul is malnourished. It's weak. Right? It's weak. Slothfulness, it casteth into a deep sleep. If you become slothful in your Christian life, become negligent in your Christian life, you'll go to sleep. And you'll start to live in sin. You'll start to live like the world. You'll be lulled to sleep like them. You'll forget that you're a soldier in a battle. You'll forget that you're a soldier in a war, that you're on enemy territory. And you'll start giving in and compromising in every way that you can. It slowly happens. And before you know it, you're doing things that you would never do because you're sleepy. By be, here's another way. 
that Christians become sleepy like that by being amongst sleepy folks, a sleepy family. I'll tell you what, family, uh, if you're around people that aren't standing for the faith, they're not, and they're sleepy Christians, they'll put you to sleep. You'll, they'll dull your spiritual senses. They'll dull your walk with God. That's what they'll do. And you'll start compromising because of their influences and their impact on you. Because the example that's set before you. Sleepy. A sleepy church. If your church is sleepy, if it's not, if it's, if it's slothful, if they're not standing in the gap, if they're not standing for what's right, if they're not fighting the good fight of faith, if the preaching doesn't, isn't uh, the preaching of the word of God here and used to, to awaken you out of your sleep and to get you moving and motivated and serving God and doing right, but it lulls you to sleep. Sleepy, sleepy saints have a bad effect upon spiritual Christians. Therefore, you ought to prize an awakened ministry, a ministry that wakes you from your sleep, a ministry that is constantly waking you and preaching things that are loud and straight and strong and, and teaching you to sharpen those things. And iron sharpeneth iron, right? And to keep you uh, on the straight and narrow and to warn you about the sin in your life and warn you about your lack of sanctification and your sleepiness in different areas of your duties. You know, a black and a dark and a gloomy day will lead to slumber. The blackness and darkness of this world can, uh, you know, the Bible talks about, about that. When iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. You start to become cold and sleepy. And your sin is not as bad, therefore, as the world. So you stop comparing yourself to Christ and you start comparing yourself to the world. And you go to sleep. Well, I'm pretty good. I'm not like them. I ain't murdering my baby. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not an LGBTQ. I'm not out there doing this. I'm not out there doing that, right? You start comparing yourself uh, to, to the world instead of comparing yourself to Christ and begging God to keep the fire going in your heart and life. Begging God to keep you sanctified and walking in the fear of the Lord and staying close to Christ. You start drifting away from God. Start drifting into the world. And start compromising things. You become sleepy. You fall asleep at the wheel. You've got to stay sharp. You've got to stay on point. You've got to stay alert and awake. You can't be falling asleep. You can't be comparing yourself to the world. Amen. They're rotten as hell. Of course they are. We expect them to be. But God expects you to be a light that shines. You're to shine your light before men, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. That's why we are reflectors of God's glory. Amen. That's why he put us here. And if you're not, he's going to take you home because right. you have no use to him here. Amen. We're to shine brightly for the Lord. We're not to compare ourselves to the worst common denominator. It's like comparing ourselves to Satan. Oh, I ain't as bad as him. He had a pretty good funeral recently. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I'm not that bad. Why well, ain't supposed to be that bad? I'm supposed to compare myself to Christ, which means that, you know what? I've got to walk with God, and I, I always have room for improvement. Not there yet. Right. I have not a... What's that, brother? Comparing yourself to the charismatic. That's right. Or comparing yourself to a charismatic. Well, I'm not as bad as them. 
No, you and I might be worse because we have the truth and we're not deceived. And if we're not walking with God, we have no excuse because we are not deceived. We have the truth. So it's more important for us to stand firm in the faith because we have it and to be strong and not to be spiritual sluggards and not to be lazy. Amen. It is incumbent upon us that we serve God and that we wait upon the Lord without distraction, that we are firm in our faith, that we do not waver in, in what we believe and we hold to our children need it more than ever. And lastly, oh, I went long here. I'm going to get a bonus today. All right. Amen. Uh, kick it in overtime, man. Um, <laughs> we use lies as an excuse, right? The slothful man will use lies. The slothful man he says there's a lion in the streets. Well, first of all, in most, in most time in Israel, there were no lions in the actual streets. They were out in the wilderness. They wouldn't come into the streets around most people. But I find the number one person that we lie to is ourselves. Did you know that? The number one person we make an excuse to is not like if I, make, if I give an excuse for, to you why I can't do something, right? If I give an excuse to somebody else why I can't, it's, it's that I give an excuse to myself. And man, I can convince myself that my lies are true, right? And if I can convince myself that my lies are true and I can lie to myself, that's the number one person that you and I lie to is ourselves. It really is. If I can lie through and, ex and have excuses and never get anything done, you know, I, I, can, I can make my excuses up. I can be so successful to lie to myself that I can be a hearer of the word and not a, 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 not a doer of the word, deceiving my own self, right? I, I can deceive myself, right? The Bible says you can deceive yourself. Right. Whew, that's scary. But you know, that's why you got to go to God. That's why you go to the Holy Spirit of God. You go to the word of God. You examine yourselves in the faith and you examine yourselves in the book and you examine everything. And then you go to God and you ask God to make things clear to you. And you ask God to forgive you for things and to sharpen you and to make you stronger and forgive you for your, you, you know, your slothfulness in this area of your life. I guarantee you there is an area in this room right now and each person here, all of us included, that we have been slothful spiritually in, a certain, in, in areas of our life that we got to get right with God over all of us. Amen. Every single one of us, there's things. So the, the most important thing that you and I can do with that is to take this home today with us later on today when we're all by ourselves tonight and this week and think on this and say, Lord, is there some things that I've been slothful at spiritually that I need to work on, that I need to be sharper on, that I need to stop making excuses. I need to stop using fear. I need to stop lying to myself. I need to stop lying to myself. That, that, uh, that, that, you know, this is a problem or that's a problem. The spiritual application of a sluggard Christian uses many excuses to avoid serving the Lord. Doesn't read his Bible because he doesn't have the right, the right maybe study Bible or he needs glasses or he needs this or he needs that or he doesn't have the right light in his room or he can't pray because he can't go to church and he can't witness and he can't give to the Lord. He's too busy for this and too busy for that. It's not convenient. Walking with God will never be convenient to the flesh. Get over that now. It won't be. It's meant to put down the flesh. Right? That's why, that's why you can't say, well, oh, man, I, 
don't know if I can love my neighbor as myself or love my brother in Christ because they're so different and they do this and they do that. Well, you know what? That's just an excuse. Yes, you can, because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We can learn to love one another, each one of us, for our little quirks, our little weird things that we do, our little annoyances for each other. Get over yourself, right? We got to get over ourselves. Sometimes you got to take it on the chin and be like, you know what? That's okay, whatever. Just move on. Why? Because why? I love people, that's why. And I love the Lord, and I don't want to hurt people. So I ain't going to make a big deal about everything that comes up. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to be so easily annoyed by everything that comes up. I'm going to actually have grace for others. Amen. I'm going to love each other. Why? Because you're looking around, and this is all you got. You better remember that. As these times get dark, you're going to go to a place, Lord willing, where, they, where this book is preached, and it's the same truth every week, and it doesn't change. Right? It doesn't change. That's what you need, because this world's going to get darker. It's going to get worse. It's going to get black as hell. It's going to be nasty and filthy. And, and, and confusion is going to abound everywhere. And you are going to be, and they are going to try to pull you into every direction possible away from this book. And God's people need to be firm and say, you know what? This is what God said. I ain't joining your party. Amen. I ain't joining your parade. Nope. I don't believe you. I believe what God says. I don't care what signs and wonders you show me. I believe what God says. I believe what this written word says. Amen? Right? Yeah, propaganda galore, right? It's everywhere. It is very powerful. And I'm telling you, they're going to play on your emotions and play on all these things. Listen to me. This might sound funny to you. They'll have you shooting Mexicans in the street. They'll have you dropping people and killing them. Now, I'm not saying it ain't going to get bad and ain't going to get nasty and there ain't a lot of wicked things going on. There is. But I'm telling you, they'll have you join in their ultra-right, fascist, wicked movement. And they're going to do it. They're going to get that. They're going to rouse it up. They, they, they want it bad. Why? Because we're steamrolling down through a one-world government. Right, and you're going to see, and you, it's the next crusade. And it's being done on purpose. All of it is being orchestrated on purpose. And I don't find that from politics. I find that from this book. God told me they were going to do it. Right here. No, he didn't come down in a voice and told me. He wrote it in his word and he told me. I'm getting it right from here. That's what they're doing. Right? It has to happen. Just Now, if you're... If you're if you, if you wake up one morning and you see on a news report that that rock of the dome got blew up, <laughs> then you better be, better be praying because <laughs> it's really going to get crazy because I think it's going to happen eventually, whenever. I don't know when, but it's going to. They, they want that. My point is that you and I can't, we can't make excuses. We got to, in, in, in Christ, we have to make things happen. We have to live our lives strong. We have to live them firm. We have to be resolute. We have to be, we have to be faithful. Stop making excuses and get right with God and make the things happen. Because God's given you the power. To, he's never commanded you to do something that he has not given you power to do. Amen. Why do you think he didn't command you to do like all kinds of miracles and 
and and turn water into wine and 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 God never commanded you to do any of those things. He commanded you to walk in the spirit. He commanded you to be filled with the spirit. He commanded you to obey him and to follow him. And he gives you the grace to do that by the Holy Ghost. And he's also commanded you not to be asleep, but it is high time that we awake out of sleep. Romans 13 and then we'll be done. I want to read that last part to you there. Because Paul's talking to Christians here. Right? Verse number 11. Romans 13, 11. He says this, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, forgive us. There's areas in our Christian life that we've been slothful, sluggard, sleepy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us to bring us your word and to teach us and to be merciful to us and bring us the truth. And Lord, we pray that you'd forgive our sins. And we pray, Lord, we confess to you and we ask you to strengthen us. Forgive us and strengthen us. Help us to be faithful to you in all things. Help us not to waver, Lord, in these wicked times, but help us to be a light in a dark, dark world. Lord, bless your people and bless the time we have today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.